All right, take two. Welcome to another episode of Zoomcron. I'm your host, Travis Williams-Skink-Mateer, an independent journalist here in Missoula, Montana, and joining me, my co-host, Allie. Hi. We're, we're doing a take two because it's Friday night, we've had a long week, and we're trying to do a final push so that our listening audience, whoever they may be, can get a sense of what the, what the news events have been this past week. And we were trying to do a little review before starting. A lot of stuff is happening. It is. Is there anything in particular you would like to begin with, Allie, as I put you on the spot since my fatigue is pretty significant right now? Yes. I would like to start with one thing we're thankful for. I was afraid you were going to do that if I gave you half an opportunity at the beginning of the show to do something like that. Well, you might as well give gratitude at the beginning. Uh, do I have to start? You don't have to start. I'll start. Okay. I'll lead the way. I'm thankful it's not snowing right now, and I'm thankful we are actually seeing signs of spring. I am thankful for our government leaders. I tr truly am. I'm I am grateful for the people who sacrifice a lot of hours and time on the public's behalf, and I appreciate them. Were some of those city council folks taking extra time after that Monday city council meeting was done that we attended? There were, there were actual conversations continuing to go on. I mean, they almost had to turn the lights off yeah. on us. I am thankful for civic engagement. I could keep going on about what I'm thankful for because I'm thankful for a lot of things. Well, let's not get too gracious. What are you thankful for? Uh, well, let's see. I'm thankful for a really good conversation uh, with Monica Perez. Um, I'm thankful for some financial support that came in today. Yeah. Some nice financial support. Yes. I'm thankful for this conversation with you. Oh, well, we'll see how much you can be thankful as I continue talking about the, the week's events because... It's not all rainbows and sunshine out there. Are you thankful? I'm thankful that you're here for the conversation as well. Thank you. And for the sunshine and rainbows and the snow that continues to fall in April. Because there was snow this week. Yes. Yes. So the first post, should we just kind of hop into it? Hop, sure. Like, like a bunny. Yeah. The, the first post on April 2nd. Sharing my weekly public comment preparation plan so you can too. I'm not even sure if that was like a Monday. Wasn't April 2nd? That possibly, that, that was Sunday. Sunday. Yeah. That's correct. So that was like a bonus post. So we can begin with the bonus post because there's been some interest that I have heard in terms of feedback about, hey, Travis, how do you do this like city council stuff? Because it's not always the easiest thing to sit there in chambers and to listen to the not always exciting ins and outs of what you're thankful for, civic government, it's not always yes. all that exciting. So how do you do it? For love of the game. Hmm. Actually, it's not love of the game for me. It's love of people. Because if you don't, I mean, it's that that gives me endurance to be able to withstand some of the very tedious nature of civics. People. I like to think of timing because the right person at the right time is where I like to see some opportunity. And so in this post, what, what listeners can do if they're going to zoomcron.com is they can actually look at the links, they can click on the links, and it, it will take them to the place where the meeting agenda and the minutes are available. 
And so the idea actually behind this post is to give anyone that's curious, you can look at the different committees, they're in different colors, uh, you can get a better sense of what it takes to look at the agendas for the upcoming week, especially on Wednesdays when a lot of that business is, is happening in committee in the middle of the day when not a lot of people can actually attend. Yeah. So it was a nice little civic gift in anticipation of a busy week and the community justice department. That was the one I wanted to highlight because they were going to be giving some kind of presentation on Wednesday at the public safety committee. And that was the one that I highlighted for my public comment, but that's Wednesday. We're not going to get to Wednesday yet because we still have to get to the post on Monday. Are we ready to go to Monday? Yeah. Okay. Oh, Monday. So no rainbows and sunshine here. Monday was a kind of heavy post. Actually opening with some dialogue from a show that I, I hope that we can watch an episode of later tonight. Yeah. Ozark. That's a big O for Ozark. And it's a big old scary show. It's a it's a show worth watching. It um, is. Sometimes you do want your eyes covered. It's All true. All the time. <laughs> but the, the show, the, the intro that I liked to kind of squeeze into this post here features Marty Bird, his wife, Wendy, and they are sitting in the sheriff's office because the, the sheriff has basically their daughter in a somewhat precarious situation. She was with some hoodlums. There was a stolen boat, a damaged prop. She was thrown off the boat. She was, like bait. And then there was a conversation that was kind of interesting. So I don't know if we want to necessarily go through the conversation. The reason why I highlighted this was to show a fictional dynamic at play with the power being the sheriff's office in this scene. But when we're talking about the criminal justice system here for the purposes of this post, there were three particular stories that I highlighted. Um, the whole post was actually kind of inspired because of a Kaiman article written by Griffin Smith. So he's the editor yeah. of the Kaiman. He's finishing up his last semester this semester. And I called him to say thank you for the article. Yeah, I wish him well. He's the, done a really good job. He's done a, a really good job. The Kaiman has put out some uh, really strong articles and has done some amazing work trying to cover the shenanigans of ASUM, which you, once upon a time, were a part of. They got real silly this year within ASUM, but we're not talking about that. We're talking about the article that Griffin Smith wrote, and this article is, let me just kind of scroll down here a bit, The Last Drive Down Rock Creek. And so this is telling the story of the last days, the last moments of Courtney's life. Um, Courtney, let me just find her last name. Courtney Cleggs, I think is how you would pronounce that. That's K-L-A-G-U-E-S. Okay. The, the, thing, <clears throat> the thing that I wanted to highlight with both Courtney's story, uh, Linnea Mills and Rebecca Barsotti, so these three women, they all died in Montana. The similarity that I have noticed in these three stories are the family's need to bring in outside entities in order to supplement an investigation or lack thereof. Right. One of the things that I, I write in this article is um, how local authorities are I, either not able or not willing to do the extent of, of investigations that are, are necessary. The, the Courtney story is actually really kind of shocking. Um, there were two or three other people. I'll have to look at one of the excerpts. Um, basically, there was a, a question of speed and a vehicle went off the road and Courtney was in a part of the, the upturned vehicle in the river yeah. that she was she was pinned 
and not able to get out. And so she ended up drowning in this vehicle. Yeah. Um, I, let me just actually read the, I'll read the excerpt here and we'll get a sense then of from this article, what the family had to do um, in order to, to bring in outside entity. And if, if we're yeah. kind of pausing, it's only because we're listening to noises outside of the studio. Interesting. Okay. Yeah. So the Clakes family also enlisted the opinion of a private accident reconstruction company out of California called On Point Forensics. So um, the family had to bring in On Point Forensics, um, and they brought this, this company in in 2021. Um, that group went to the Forest Service Road and created its own crash analysis, which yielded a different result than the highway patrol. Quote, our investigation determined the speed of the Jeep was likely in excess of 20 miles per hour, wrote Michael Segura, a reconstruction specialist for On Point Forensics. Segura also disputed that the car hit a rock at all based on the angle that the car went off the road. That would raise the question of how the car suddenly swerved. On Point Forensics doesn't have any answers. Um, it's, it's really interesting when you think about, and, and this is sort of a, just a quick snapshot into this article. I would really encourage anyone to read the whole article because yeah. it might not make a lot of sense when you just kind of grab this piece out of the article, but um, bringing in an outside investigation entity, in this case, it was a, a forensics company. Um, in Rebecca Barsati's case, private search and rescue had to be brought in to troll the river and to, to look for remains. Sure. Um, a private medical examiner had to be brought in to do a second autopsy. Um, a private investigator, more than one, was brought in to, again, do work that either local authorities were not able or not willing right. to do. Um, in Linnea Mills' situation, she was the young woman that, that died in a scuba diving accident up in right. Glacier in, was it McDonald Lake? Um, <clears throat> in, in, a, in a similar situation of needing an investigation to be done, and then not having an actual investigation done when a, when a, I think, let me just scroll down really quick and I'll read an excerpt from the article I highlighted from that case. Um, let's see. Okay. So let me read this. And I believe the name I'm about to read is the name of the lawyer. So Cole Cannon said a GNP ranger, um, that's Glacier National Park. So a Glacier National Park ranger handled the first part of the investigation, but was replaced after about eight days by the National Park Service Investigative Service Bureau. That's a mouthful. That's when things started to go wrong, Colcannon said. Colcannon said the investigators didn't follow up on what the ranger had found out and didn't consult with NPS dive safety experts to find out what they needed to know. They didn't gather information from the students and instructors' dive computers, which would have shown what each was doing at the time of the accident. And finally... They didn't look for evidence as to whether Snow was mentally impaired at the time, Colcannon said. He compared it to a traffic fatality where investigators always test drivers for impairment. They didn't do it. They should have. I did. The evidence as to whether or not she was impaired exists, Colcannon said. So they stopped using the protocols for, in for investigations by the Park Service. They don't look at critical evidence. They ignore removal of evidence. They don't talk to eyewitnesses who were present at the scene. Instead, they give information to the assistant U.S. attorney to prosecute under an intentional homicide standard, which means Debbie Snow intended to kill Linnea Mills, which was never the case. But they don't look at a negligent homicide standard. So I highlighted a bunch in this article, but one of the things that got me thinking was choosing something to, to prosecute that 
that ultimately is not appropriate and then using that as a justification for not prosecuting. Um, there are similar situations I think you can look at where something like that might be happening. Um, another another aspect of, of this is just not doing an investigation, not talking right. to eyewitnesses. Um, a lot of things are kind of at play. So no investigation, no charges or limited investigation, pretty much no charges. Well, right? uh, the, the other thing I, right, right. The other thing I wanted to mention is coroner's inquest. So the coroner's inquest sets up a jury to either find criminal charges against law enforcement. When, when the law enforcement sort of officer involved shooting is happening, the coroner's inquest, that is the standard they're looking at was a, was a homicide committed. They don't look at um, lesser charges in a, in a coroner's inquest. And so so part of what I'm looking at here and or what I'm wondering about is if you you set up a improper fr like sort of charging framework and then you use that for the reason why you're not charging. So basically saying it's a foregone conclusion. Exactly. So, so my question is, I mean, when you're talking about resources and investigations or lack of investigations, the only thing I can think of is the state, the state, the state. I mean, clearly, I think in Montana, we're in somewhat of a crisis and yeah. law enforcement needs to be undergirded with the support that they need. And it seems to me, and correct me if I'm wrong, but it does seem to me that the state has had an abundance of resources and it would, I would see fit to prioritize that, especially with the uh, number of missing people and violent crimes specifically erupting in this state, it is now more important than ever to adequately resource our uh, sheriff's offices and prosecutor's offices to do the job. Well, in, in Courtney's case, there was no prosecution. And the question is, what do you do if there there's no prosecution? There's nowhere else you really can go. You're, you're suggesting the state or some kind of oversight at that level. Um, the quote at the end of the I article. I mean, funding. Funding, money. As well as, as well as oversight. But, I mean. To, to kind of highlight the, the term that's used in the title of this article, though, I'll um, quote the, the final, I think it's the final paragraph in the piece, but um, this is an important thing to consider. So this is, again, Griffin Smith from his Kaiman article. There's not much someone can do if a county attorney refuses to prosecute a case unless that prosecutor acted with a, quote, manifest abuse of discretion which is when someone acts without, conscience without conscious judgment or exceeds the bounds of reason resulting in injustice according to Montana law. So the question is, have we, have we reached manifest abuse of discretion yet? It, it depends, for sure. That's case always, by case, that's obviously. That's always the legal answer, is it depends. That's not a very satisfying answer, Allie. I want something more rousing. Yes! Time to get the pitchforks and the you know, torches and every case, like the first time, I guess, in, in some ways, I mean, that's the law. I also want to highlight something in this article that I forgot to mention. And it's something that we, we anticipated when we were in mineral County and we were in that gymnasium after the shootout, yes. wondering if there was going to be a lot of sheriff deputies on administrative leave. Well, when we're talking about resources for, of authorities and the, the ability to do an investigation, 
Mineral County had to bring in a bunch of sheriff deputies from neighboring counties just yes. just to have basic coverage right. of the road, which is the main thing they do is kind of check the interstate and do some other stuff for the community. But it's it's interesting when we look at, at resources and how few resources some counties seem to have when it comes to keeping their community safe. Yeah. Shall we move on? Sure. Okay, the next article is a continuation of what Allie and I became aware of in real time while recording last week's episode. Yes. And that is the fact that these 60 businesses that have How signed many? on 60 yep, 60 six, zero. You count those? We did. Um some of those businesses are owned by the same people, so wow. you you can't you can't get too too excited about um, the number, but the, the surprising part really was not just the number, um, the types of businesses that now are rising up against not just the lane reduction plan for Higgins Avenue, but really questioning the entire authority of the Missoula Redevelopment Agency yeah. to oversee these projects. They are questioning the ideology of climate change as a motivating factor for doing things like removing parking spaces. In their minds, a lot of these downtown businesses will be negatively impacted yeah. by the loss of parking. There's already been some frustration because of how much construction has been going on downtown over the last couple of years. And now we seem to be at a point in which the downtown businesses are writing letters to the mayor's office. They are getting a response from the mayor's office. And then they write another letter because they're not happy with the, the, with the response. Right. They're not happy with the attempt to do small groups, um, uh, consensus building, this kind of small group approach. It's a strategy that the MRA has successfully used in the past, and these businesses don't want any part of the small groups forming their consent. So for truly the sake of argument, let me take on the position of the MRA for a moment. Oh, no. Okay, do so. So you're, you're Ellen Buchanan. Go. I, hey, hey, why... Well, I didn't say that, but for the sake of this discussion, what would MRA be thinking? They'd be thinking, hey, we're offering public forums. You have the right and the opportunity to participate in these forums. What more could we do to elicit feedback from these businesses? We've, we've told you time and time and time again that this is the plan, and in fact, some of the, that plan has been on the book since 2009. So, Well, see, here's what I would say. I, I wouldn't say anything. I would say, well, there's this person named TC, and they had a comment, and you need to listen to the comment, and then I would just read the comment. I would be like, this is what TC had to say. I know exactly what downtown business owners are feeling having lived through this process with all the same players minus Angen, though we do have his clone. It is truly wondrous to watch the city construct narratives. I owned a home on Mary Avenue when the MRA decided to help Little Petey spruce up the mall for a million-dollar flip. The residents were given, and of course that's referring to uh, Pete Lambros and the whole Southgate Mall Wait, debacle. I think you meant shopping center. Shopping center. Haha, <laughs> that's a good one. The residents were given meetings where we were, quote, heard. We were also told this plan had, quote, always been on the books and were given, quote, ample opportunity to give feedback. Here is the reality. I'm sure a plan did exist, dusty on a shelf or entirely in Ellen's mind, according to her vision of a better Missoula. None of the residents knew of it, though. Technically, the city told a, quote, truth. We were given meetings, three if I recall, 
and at the first, all residents attended and loudly voiced disapproval. However, the city had a few plants to express support became evident that we would be heard but not listened to. By the last meeting, residents had resigned themselves to an outcome and quit attending. Cities still sent their shills, so could claim support was increasing. Technically, the city told a, quote, truth. We were given surveys, but choices were crafted to give a predetermined outcome. Should as this... Should, as this is happening, do you prefer X or Y? When residents chose lesser of two evils, city claimed they had resident buy-in. Technically, the city told, told the quote truth. I love TC's comment. Then the city disseminated this public good through objective media like Gomer. Of course, objective is also in quotes. Um, they had their, quote, citizen supporters like John Wolverton. We'll get to his comment maybe in a second. Um, write letters and testify at council meetings. Then they used that to illustrate the overwhelming, quote, support they had and justified their plan the downtown business owners are screwed the plan will move forward with the same level of public engagement and support <laughs> sarcasm just like mary avenue south avenue grove street broadway now the fort oh yeah the fort's heating up too the only time the city deviates from their portlandia plans are when it involves one of their own so that's oh, an interesting comment, and yes. what I'm hearing is there is an opportunity to participate, but citizens feel ignored. Oh yeah, they they're they're not buying in to the the consensus buy-in strategy of small groups um, trying to send the plants in to make. I mean, it's it's hilarious because I've seen this play out too. When City Club is going on, of course they have their tables. There's people that that are are placed at certain tables. And I like to think that I get some of the best handlers, you know, especially, um, Allie, when you and I are, are together sitting at a table, I think we get sent some of the best people. They're like, oh, we better send the high caliber shills I to deal with these that. folks. I hope they're highly entertained. I think they are. And, and actually, I'll maybe at some point touch on a conversation I had with the WGM group that was incredibly satisfying because I do see opportunities as well to help out. Well, that's good. And speaking of City Club, I believe next Monday is the yes. State of the City. So that should be state pretty interesting. Of the, state of the Community. Oh, State of the Community? Yep, because I we'll have close. Seth Bodner of the University like of Montana. I like the idea of State of the City because I think it makes people think. But we're not a city. We're a town. We are a city. It's true. Okay, moving on to the next post. Are we, are we ready? Yeah. Okay. Tiff, number three. That's what it's going to be, if I can find it. Um, where is it? Or maybe it was something else. No, I'm sorry. This is the post that uh, you don't want me to say the full title. You can bleep it out. A matter of advertising I would like reader feedback on while those other podcasters sell you certain types of pills. Thank you. And crypto coins. I have nothing against crypto coins. I don't invest in crypto, but... Well, this was kind of an, an oh yeah, that's right. This was the point in which I was going to um, suggest that we have a conversation about advertising and local cannabis dispensaries. You don't think it's a good idea? I I don't. But what continue? Well, first of all, the fascinating thing for me is just how a advertisement for a cannabis dispensary would have to be crafted because in Montana, for people that don't know. Recreational cannabis, as of January 1st, is now something that is able to be sold in stores. But if these stores want to advertise their product, here's the thing. You can't talk about the product at all. Yeah. 
I found this out by talking to Tanner. He's the education guy. Um, Department of Revenue is now the one that oversees the rules and regulations for the cannabis industry. It used to be the Department of Health and Human Services, but now it's DOR, hmm. Department of Revenue. Interesting. The, the, the needle that I would need to thread, were I to offer a... I don't a, like needles. Generally. Okay. I, I, I don't like them either, but were I to use this metaphor, okay, and were I to actually put into practice the needle threading and I were to create some language for an advertisement, it would only be able to include things, and this is what I write in the post, like the name of the business, the location of the business, the hours of operation. I wouldn't be able to do things like offer a promo code. If you listen to a lot of podcasts, you'll you'll hear people say, hey, you know, my promo code is this. You can go and get a deal because you're using my promo code. Tell them I sent you. I couldn't do that. They, you mm -hmm. can't talk about deals, promo codes, really nothing. I, yeah. I asked Tanner if I could even say, do these stores sell cannabis? Can I say that? And Tanner's like, yeah, you can say that. But I don't even know if I'd want to enter into that, that yeah. terrain. So... I do know that I could write a little script. I could send it to their legal team and get it okayed. So if I did want to offer a sponsorship like a or an advertisement, well, you know, it's, it's interesting because in, in getting some feedback from people I've been talking to in the cannabis community, there is money to be tapped. The idea is how do you monetize creative content? Um, that's why I was sort of mocking with like the pill reference. That was a reference to a certain podcaster that sells a certain type of pill. But the question is, how do you monetize creative content? That was actually part of the conversation I had with Monica Perez, and she didn't have many good suggestions because the, the reality is it's hard to, to try and do something. I mean, we, we actually, just within the last 24 hours, Lee Enterprises is announcing more layoffs. So our conventional I media, heard that actually. that's just breaking. Um, I think huh. there's up to six people potentially just in the Billings Gazette newsroom. That's not good. I don't even know how many people, like who they have left to, to cut. Yeah, I mean, that's, it's, that's not good. But, but Lee Enterprises is the pretty dominant news company here in Montana. They own quite a lot of newspapers. And, and the news breaking within the last 24 hours of more, and this is like a sad, like hmm. kind of Friday thing to get your pink slip for a pe Jeez. person in the media industry. Wait, on Good Friday? Like today? Mm hmm Yep. That's horrible. But. That's what's breaking on Twitter. Sunday's coming is what I have to say to those people. Well, I and was about hopefully to say folks, the fiery wrath of Jesus might be coming at some point too, right? Well, how about like the fiery presence of his love? Well, we'll have to agree to disagree on that. I think, um, I, you know what? There can be a firm, fiery punishment, and that it can be a loving punishment. Right? Okay, we'll move on. So uh, before you have a chance to counter me, you're, you're more sort of well-versed in the God area. So, um, <laughs> Also, I wanted to point out a few things, though. In terms of advertising and cannabis, how does Nick Chakota do it? Because Nick Chakota has Logjam Presents. And if you go to, and that, you know, it's like music stuff, like music venues, music, um, you present music performers. And then there's also Groove, which is a, a cannabis store that he owns. And you go to the website, he's got his Logjam mixing up with his cannabis. And it's all just like hazy in the smoke mixed together, you know? I don't know how he does it. I think it might have to do with having money. And, and good concerts. And who you know. And good concerts. Speaking of good concerts. Yeah, Train is coming to Missoula this summer, and I'm really hmm. stoked about that. I Well, I was going 
to say something about uh tra- well that's I'm not gonna say that that'll get me in trouble okay train that wasn't what I was thinking but okay cool I would not drink a beer at a concert were I to attend one lots of people do right. like they like to have adult beverages I don't you don't either so do you know there's some controversy surrounding a person that is now selling Bud Light. Oh, I did hear something to that effect. You well, you saw the picture. Yes. Yeah. Well, we're not going to get too much into it. Uh, Dylan, this person that is getting a lot of attention now in this in the media world, there's a, there's a lot of brands that are now jumping on having this person be like a like a un informal spokesperson. So Dylan is now selling Bud Light and Nike and and many other things. Very interesting, but also just slightly disturbing as it's riling up people in the world or in the country like kid rock for example kid rock got very upset and he shot up some bud light with with a big gun wait 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 kid rock is still around he's looking pretty old and i I don't know if he himself was like drinking some other shit beer you know maybe keystone maybe it was miller time for kid rock in any case it was bullet time at the end and you know, the cases of Bud Light, they didn't fare well Wait, with all the like, bullets. Wait, you mean like literally shooting a beer? Oh, yeah, no, no, he went and he shot case. There was a couple cases set up on a table. So it's great. I'll have to show it to you after yeah. we after we stop recording. But Kid Rock, you know, he he you kind of look at him and he he's saying something about not my Bud Light or I I can't remember. But then he gets what a big gun world? and he turns around and he and he Good blows Lord. up. I'm so thankful to miss out on some of the culture wars in our fair city because I truly don't understand. Yeah, you're not missing out on much. Um but if you want to support Travis's impact fund, I have many opportunities in almost each article to click and to give me money, which some people are starting to do. Yeah. For which we are thankful. We are definitely thankful for that. Okay, moving on to the next post. Um, I'm not thankful for soft lockdowns and the fact that that is now a term I know exists. My kids told me that. They told me that because they were in not the direct full lockdown school, which was Hellgate. They were in other schools, which got the soft lockdown. That just means they can't leave the school, can't go... For recess or lunch. For recess, can't leave lunch if you're in high school, um, that kind of stuff. So there was a threat. Some juveniles were apprehended in a shopping center. The point that I wrote about was the fact that the shopping center is the Southgate Mall. And because you said that that was kind of part of the chatter out there, I actually went to the mall and didn't directly confirm it to the degree that I was able to publicly confirm it because the person I ultimately called the manager never called me back, but we did see the next day more details come out in what happened. And the shopping center was the term used. I'm not sure why the mall couldn't directly be named, but um, a lot was going on with this. We can't get into a, a lot of it because, you know, this is a small community and stuff that you know about situations can't always be shared publicly, but Um, The concern is that we do have a broken criminal justice system. Um, This seems to be a situation in which the the young girl making the the most severe threats is going to have felony charges to some degree thrown at her. So I will be watching this to see how it progresses for sure. other aspects you wanted yeah, to maybe touch so this, on? Just nationwide, this is a major topic, um, and unfortunately, it touches our community too. And I hate that a whole group of school aged kids were 
terrorized uh, on on Wednesday. I think that's extremely sad. And it's extremely disturbing to me that the very next day, at least in most schools that I'm aware of, people didn't really talk about it at the schools. It was as if nothing had happened. And to me, that's even more disturbing. And, and granted, thankfully, mercifully, there were no shots fired. There were no injuries in this particular case, although emotional distress is an injury. I did ask my kids if there were anything said at school the next day and um, didn't get a response in terms of, I mean, nothing was really said and they're kind of playing it off for the most part, but obviously there are real impacts when, when yeah. the threat becomes this close to home. Yeah. I will say it is, my heart goes out to everyone involved um, for all of the kids who were on lockdown, but also to the girls who were apprehended. I mean, one thing I, I've learned in having worked with youth who have like troubled youth, I suppose, um, people come from really difficult situations. And sometimes it's really hard to um, overcome those challenges alone. And there's not a lot of family support sometimes. And a lot of times our system does the best that we can, but it's not always, I mean, that, that it just is always a stark reminder. You don't know what people are going through on any given day. So be kind, love people well. And it's just, it. there is so much power. We see the power in darkness, so to speak, right? Like one person can hold a community captive by fear. But what's the power of breaking through? Like in, in light and in love like even this uh, this crazy show that we've watched uh, ozark right there's that story and i was thinking about that because we had just watched that episode spoiler alert of the preacher man who goes into the gas station and there's an armed robber there and he takes the bullet and he's his life is spared and such but he's the one who reaches out in kindness toward a person who would not necessarily otherwise deserve it so I was thinking about that this week. Yeah, maybe we'll stop watching the show so that you don't see what happens to him later. Hey. <laughs> well. um, one of the odd things about this, and I, I do hear um, what, what you're saying, Allie, and don't want to just kind of gloss over it. Um, my black pill approach sometimes is resistant to some of the narratives that seek to find too much silver linings in some of these darker uh, storylines. But... Um, rabbits and bunnies keep on coming up and it was kind of odd to be in the mall actually it is Easter. yeah i know i know it's it's true um year of the rabbit you know uh 2023 but being in the mall i was looking for the security actually there used to be a security kiosk yeah. inside the mall there wasn't one and so i was kind of walking back and forth looking around and finally it was it was the bunny that that led me to a little bit of a insight into some of the things happening at the mall because, you know, I'm pretty familiar with having worked um, also in similar situations with marginalized populations. I know that the mall is pretty popular with wayward youth, if you want to use that kind of dumb term, but um, I've warned my own kids to, you know, now they're getting older to hang out at the mall. And I remember hanging out at malls back in the day. There's mall culture. It's a little bit different these days. And I thought it was interesting that the three youth were detained at the mall. There was a, a kind of a back and forth a bit between 
the media and law enforcement because initially the the word that was used was in custody. The kids were in custody. Right. That changed to being detained. Sure. And it just was interesting the way that the mall played into this. Um, I just talked about the Southgate Mall with Monica Perez previously that day because of tax increment financing. I mean, the mall has been a big point of conversation in how public money is used. It's just very interesting how some of these things can connect in unusual ways. But moving on, if we don't have anything more to add on that. We chased the rabbit. Yeah. Down down some rabbit holes. Um, down some dirty homeless camp holes. That's a terrible segue. Wow. That was that was terrible. I apologize. Yeah. My third report though, my AA number three, I assess and address. Doing mostly assessment, not doing much addressment. Okay, that was clever. That's not a word, though, is it? Addressment? I like it. Okay. I think it should be adopted. But I'm not addressing some of the stuff quite yet. I am still assessing what the heck is going on before April 10th. So this third report was a result of a not very successful bike ride down the Camilliams Trail. And I say not successful because despite having somewhat fat tires, that's fat with an F, it was really snowy still. The Hellgate Canyon, for people that aren't aware, there's a lot of uh, sun that does not get to the ground because yeah. of the canyon wall. And so a lot of snow, therefore hmm. not a lot of activity farther down the Camilliams Trail. I did take some pictures, took some video. Um, the, the numbers for the quantitative fans out there that love quantitative data, holler if you love quantitative data. <laughs> Of which I'm not one, necessarily. And, and no one listening is going to holler. But I did have one business contact and three government slash community contacts. The business contact was the fun one. The WGM group, they have some business offices right there on East Broadway. There is a terrible location, a terrible site that's been abandoned, a lot of trash. And I popped in and talked to them. I'm going to actually, I think, be helping out on Earth Day. There's a pre-planned volunteer cleanup along the Clark Fork Mostly coordinated by the Clark Fork Coalition. I thought there were for like three days in a row, like the 20th, 21st, 2nd, 3rd. This is this is a one-day cleanup along the Clark Fork. So, and it's, they do this every year, very extensive, but I'm very excited to be helping with, with that and actually getting out there down and dirty with the WGM group because it needs to happen. There's a lot of pictures that I included. Um, I'm also, I, I tend in the, in the last couple of reports, well, there's only been three, but um, I've also included some of the stories that have continued to happen uh, from the houseless homeless community. One of the more recent ones, a man that I'm very familiar with was arrested for using a crowbar slash tire iron in an assault, which occurred in the parking lot of the Johnson street shelter, which is the shelter that's closing on April 10th. He was assaulted or I'm sorry. He was arrested for assault, felony assault in and out of jail. Less than 48 hours. So I made note of that. Um, also included in 2015 how he threatened to gut a woman. Um, I'll, read, I'll, I'll read this. I'll read this from 2015 so we can get a little picture of this man who was in and out of jail on, on felony assault charges uh, within the last week. <clears throat> so this is from 2015. A Missoula transient who allegedly threatened to, quote, gut a woman who was reading in her car near the Northside Pedestrian Bridge has been deemed incompetent to proceed by a psychologist and will undergo another independent psychological evaluation at the Montana State Hospital. Michael Sorley was slated to enter a plea Thursday in Missoula County District Court before standing master Brenda Desmond. Aww. Yeah. 
Um, but instead, state prosecutors and his defense counsel, Neil Leach, discussed the man's mental health. Leach said Sorley had been in isolation for the nearly 50 days since his arrest, and he is concerned about the amount of time it will take the state to place him in the mental hospital. The waiting time is currently three to eight months, he said. Yikes. Well, criminal justice for you here in Zoomtown. Yes, it is. But I um, strongly encourage people to take a look at my TIFF reports. I'm going to be kind of consolidating all of them, making sure all the links are there um, so you can take a look at all four. And I think Monday is when I will post the, the last one before April 10th. I'm going to continue doing my TIFF reports. I hope people continue financially supporting me at GoFundMe um, for Travis's Impact Fund because I am definitely showing some impacts. Okay, moving on, shall we? Sure. Hmm. The next post, the title, while I track TIFF, SB 523, that is the bill, those lifeguards, they're tracking the traffic. The traffic? Yeah, that's spelled with a K. Okay. So, I'll just read a little bit here. While I ramp up my reporting efforts to keep up with all the action in Zoomtown and in Helena, I'm wondering... Why the social media presence of the lifeguard group has been so sparse lately? I mean, aren't there plenty of missing persons to pretend to look for? Seriously. The first post of April for the lifeguard group finally appeared after just four or five posts in March. So it looks like the lifeguard group is pretty excited about um, House Bill 112, cracking down on human trafficking. So in this post, I wanted to try and understand hmm, what, what could the excitement be? And so I looked at this opinion piece. Um, I think this was linked to the Facebook article that the lifeguard group put out. Um, I'm going to read this from the link. So this is from an opinion piece supporting House Bill 112. As the state's foremost police organization, representing nearly 800 municipal officers from 25 different agencies, we are proud to support Attorney General Austin Knutson and Representative Jody Eckhart's legislation that strengthens our state's human trafficking laws and increases penalties for those who participate in human trafficking. House Bill 112 will clarify the crime and make it easier for law enforcement, prosecutors, victims, and potential jurors to understand by simplifying the current statute into four clear, straightforward categories. It will also increase punishments for offenders who encourage or compel a victim to engage in commercial sexual activity and those who patronize the system. Not only will the overall sentence be increased, but mandatory minimums will be put in place for the worst of the worst offenders. Right? Yeah. Good so far? A little bit further down, um, I, I started to get a sense of maybe where the opportunity exists, and that's in desperation. So this is more from the opinion piece. We are also in desperate need of more human trafficking agents on the streets to help our local agencies find these criminals and hold them accountable. Right now, the Department of Justice Division of Criminal Investigation only has two <laughs> Two agents to assist the entire state in human trafficking investigations. Boy, I hope no human traffickers are listening right now because they might start thinking that Montana is a really great state to operate in. They already know. Oh, shit. That's right. Um, that's just not enough, the opinion piece says. No shit. In the last seven years, the number of cases they track has skyrocketed from seven 
to 106, an increase of 1,400%. We also support the Attorney General and Governor's proposal to increase the investment in public safety, which would add four human trafficking agents to DCI's current team that would be available to help us fight human trafficking in our communities and provide comprehensive coverage of the state. To help prosecute the increased caseload, the proposal would also fund an additional prosecutor. Wow. So some, some additional people to integrate with the beer truck army that I wrote about. Right. Hmm. You look like you're deep in thought. I am deep in thought because I'm trying to look up a quote. Um, well, what I can do is just kind of keep blabbing because that's one thing I'm good at doing. Um, oh, okay. Just a second. Here we go. I have something to say about human trafficking. Let's hear it. And missing people, but we'll get to that in one second. With human trafficking, you want to stop human trafficking? We cannot have an appetite for it. Meaning? It's pretty simple. It's like, I, I love this quote from Jonah Mix, and so I'm specifically talking about sex trafficking in this. Jonah Mix had this quote years ago, and I've, I've remembered it um, ever since I first read it. The quote goes like this. I'm not interested in a world where men really want to watch, and he's specifically talking about porn, but resist because they've been shamed. I'm interested in a world where men are raised from birth with such an unshakable understanding of women as living human beings that they are incapable of being aroused by their exploitation. So you want um, the entire fabric of society uh, to basically radically shift away from the financial exploitation that has been built into every piece of media, advertisements. Um, and now, you know, we've got the left wanting to empower kids to be more in touch with their sexuality. So um, how are you going to pull back when there is a push um, to literally on from from both sides? It seems like there seems to be a hyper focus on the, the sexualization of, of young people. You know, our media, our, our culture is just permeated in this. And so um, see, it's interesting, though, because I would say. It's even simpler than that in some ways, like if, if you just were to distill it down. It is a matter of respect for fellow human beings, period. W and I don't, I, regardless of race, gender, anything, like it, another human being, do we respect them? And, and to the missing persons piece, which is actually very related to the trafficking, I, my last count was five missing people in Missoula well, in the last month. Wait. So, okay. And so it's, interesting to me because they're in some ways how does a person go missing most of the time someone knows where they are or like some know someone knows where they were last seen there's in some ways and hear me out because i know there are missing people but in some ways there's no such thing as a missing person because they're here on this planet they didn't just disappear and so it's interesting to me because uh, like we if you're talking about the symptoms and we're talking about trafficking as being a problem which has ex like exploded exponentially over the last 5 or 6 years in Montana and the question is why 
And if my thought is if we treat the symptoms, it's not going to do much. But if you treat the cause, that's the only way. Okay. Um, I'm going to say some stuff that will totally get me in trouble. Um, there is an easy focus on men and men's sexual I, appetites. And I'm not saying that's what you were doing, right? Um, that was a man who said that quote, by the way. Right. Who chose which picture of Jermaine Charlo to put on the billboard? Members of her family? Was it I a man actually, or, or a woman? I don't know either. I'm asking. Um, because when you're thinking about promoting or trying to get attention for a missing person, Jermaine Charlo, I, I doubt you're going to pick the picture in which um, she is less attractive than other pictures. You might want to pick the picture that's going to get the most attention. Is she wearing makeup in that picture? Lowell Hochalter, the chaplain of the um, sheriff's office and the founder of the lifeguard group, you know, in the podcast stolen about Jermaine Charlo, he talked about her makeup. He was very, you know, kind of excited about uh, describing how uh, a would-be trafficker would see um, Jermaine's use of makeup as being a pretty marketable skill. So I, the whole, when you're talking about a culture that we're existing in, like fish exist in water, right? Um, and you really start peeling away at what sexualizing young people is doing and, and, and how lots of moms and dads and uh, teachers and faith leaders all in some ways allow it to happen. You know, are the, the dance groups getting, are the, are the outfits that the kids are wearing when they're doing their dance routines in middle school, are those getting more modest or are they getting more risque? What about the moves? What about twerking? You know, what, you know, what about these things are being pushed on, on our kids? Um, what about young boys disappearing as much as young girls? You know, um, yeah. I think, I think there's just so much going on that, that I guess I get a little maybe defensive in some ways when we're talking about some of these things, because, um, vulnerable members of our community, community, young people, women, I don't know if that's what I say. It's not a matter of race, gender, creed, all of that. It's people. It is, but we can't help how demographics are sure, a part of the conversation, I, I'm not especially as to downplay that either. But I'm what I'm saying is every every person matters, and I'm not that is not a comment about Black Lives Matter. So for anyone listening and, and thinking that, I'm, all right, you, you have to qualify I'm, that. I'm really that's not, and I understand people who historically have been disenfranchised. Absolutely. That is truly a thing, and it's it's worth acknowledging, I believe. So, well, sometimes I wish I lived in France. Why? Because they're burning some shit down. Because maybe you know we should just burn it down and start over. In France, they're they're rising up against BlackRock. So you've got some really interesting images, and I used it in in one of the in the post. Um, because there, there are actually things that are, that are kind of happening, the world burning. And it's, it's really, um, I don't know. It's one of those things where you're just like, what, what's, what's going on? How do you actually prioritize the threats that you might be facing in, in any particular day? Um, you know, our, our young people are having to move through a pretty hostile world. And now the, the school shootings, which have been a phenomenon since the nineties now, um, well, it predates that, but now we seem to have transgender people entering the fray, um, looking at equality, maybe being, hey, we can pick up some guns and, and start shooting up people too. 
And I mean, we just had actually a fairly significant attack that was being planned that was stopped before it happened in Colorado Springs. Um, that was by a transgender person um, that was planning that. Um, and, you know, the, the young woman that was taken into not custody, but detained again, this was a woman. So now we seem to have some demographic shifting. I don't know if we'll ever be able to honestly talk about what shoving hormones into kids is doing. Um, what the, what taking advantage of their, of their youthful confusion is doing, um, the video games that they are continually um, immersed in the screens that they just can't get away from. I mean, we really do have, I think, uh, a, a big challenge ahead with this upcoming generation. In, in my conversation with Monica Perez, I think it was the only moment in which I could sense I was kind of blackpilling her is talking about kids and raising kids in this current age. I mean, it's really hard not to get a bit dark when you think about what they're facing. So I believe this generation is the most resilient generation ever born. Some of the comedy clips I see would say otherwise. I, I don't care, frankly. Yeah. I, I believe that with all my heart. I believe they're... You, you don't think they need safe spaces and that they, they I crumble? I believe they when are the most resilient generation ever born to this point in history because they've had to... They have to face so much that no previous generation ever did, but they were born for such a time as this. And I believe, like, even though the obstacles before our world right now seem greater in some ways than ever before, and I know every generation has its own fights and battles, I believe we're coming into sort of a darker horizon, but that is um, exactly, you know, stars glow in the dark. It's, it's creating an environment in which a contrast can be made. Well, we'll see. Um, all the kids are addicts. They're all addicts. All of them, right? Screens are so addictive and they are, they are addicts. When you remove the drug from an addict, when they go through withdrawal symptoms, you know, you can get agitated and lash out. I have seen in a very visceral way, which I'm not going to get into the details, but our kids are addicted. They are fucked up on these screens and it is, it is the least healthy thing in this time frame that they could be, be, getting pushed into because we already have so many questions about what's real and what's not. I mean, really when I just scroll through Twitter myself, I'm, you know, confronted with how unreal and insane things are getting. So, and this goes for kids and adults. What are they looking for? What are they hungry for? Because that's the unmet need here. And so, I mean, it, screens become a coping mechanism on some level. But I, I think there's a deeper need that can be fulfilled in that. So I, I have unfettered optimism toward our youth. I'm a vicious advocate on their behalf. <laughs> well, good. They need and believe they, the absolute best. They need those advocates um, because they have predators basically in every institution. All those institutions that are crumbling and yeah. failing them. Um, even the people that claim to care about the future because, you know, climate change and everything that's happening is stealing their future. It's like, well, what are their lives like right now in the, in the present moment? Um, we'll, we'll have to see what happens, but they, their futures are being weaponized by people that don't actually care about their future. They just want control in the present moment. And we are rapidly moving into a situation in which, uh, Anything that's in front of you has to be questioned, even, you know, Paris Hilton. Oh, 
Paris Hilton. She was going to give testimony in the Montana legislature, wasn't she? Yes. I'm looking at uh, a tweet from Seaborn Larson right now. This is the unlikeliest lobbyist of the 2023 Montana legislature. Paris Hilton readies to lobby for troubled teen bill as we're talking about troubled teens good, and sending them to remote places in the wilderness and letting someone else deal with them. Well, that happened to Paris. She was sent to Utah. Yeah, not good. Some facilities in Montana connected to that program have also been in, in existence and since shut down. And so it's pretty interesting to, um, to see, to see this. Oh, it looks like Seaborn landed the story with Paris. I think Seaborn actually interviewed Paris. That's good. Good for him. Um, let's see. Do, should we read a little from the, from the article? Sure. I haven't seen it. Did it just come out? Um, yeah, I think this is uh, just posting within the last couple hours. Paris Hilton may end up being the unlikeliest lobbyist of the 2023 legislature. She touched down in a private airplane hangar in Belgrade just a day after House Bill 218, a legislative proposal to ratchet up restrictions on the so-called troubled teen industry in Montana, emerged out of the Senate Health, Welfare, and Safety Committee, although in a compromised form of its original draft. Hilton grew, Hilton grew to fame as hotel heiress and reality TV star, but in recent years has parlayed her prominence to advocate for regulations over the therapeutic residential boarding school industry for youth with behavioral needs. Hilton was sent to four programs, oh, wow, four, including one in Montana. Oh, I didn't know she was sent to a Montana one. In an interview Thursday with the Montana State News Bureau, 42-year-old Hilton described being assaulted, strangled, malnourished, and watched by male staff while she showered at a now-shuttered therapeutic boarding school in northwest Montana near the Idaho border. Since the state in 2019 gave the Montana Department of Public Health and Human Services oversight of the industry and codified a new set of regulations, Several programs have closed or moved to states with more relaxed regulatory environments. Still, state inspectors have found repeated violations of those rules, including the mishandling of a Texas girl's suicide in 2017. She died at 17. These people are elected to protect the people and the community and the children and the families, Hilton said. As the Montana legislature approaches its final stretch, where citizens elected to these offices are eyeing a return to the normal pace of their day jobs, Hilton's synonymy? <laughs> Hilton's synonymy with glamour and fame may get mixed receptions. Is she a Montana citizen? Senator Greg Hertz, uh, our Republican from Polson, said when asked about Hilton's potential impact on the Senate's decision in House Bill 218, I'm a Montana state senator. I represent the people of Montana. Oh, Greg. Hilton has taken her advocacy work to state legislatures before, as well as the halls of Congress, where federal regulations have been hard to muster. States like Utah, where scores of programs have for years operated with little to no regulations, have taken them up in stride. Across that work, Hilton said she's spoken with enough former students to recognize the pattern of their shared experiences. Quote, my story is the same as hundreds of thousands of other survivors, she said. If this could happen to me, I don't even want to know what could happen to the other children that are coming from the foster care system. Children who have no voice, children with disabilities who are being abused with no one, and no one can stand up for them. On Thursday, Hilton handed HB 218 sponsor and rep Laura Smith, Democrat from Helena, 50 individual signed letters for each state senator. Oh. Some appeared to be well-received, at least in part, because of Hilton's celebrity status. Quote, celebrities have the ability to put a whole bunch of light on an issue, and I don't think that's negative at all, 
said Daniel Zolnikov, Republican from Billings, said Friday, this isn't some issue of the day to her. By midday Friday, communications teams for the Montana Senate appeared ready to connect with Hilton's team. Several GOP senators responded directly to a tweet Hilton posted Friday offering to connect with any lawmaker willing. By the way, uh, GOP senators, that tweet was fucking creepy. Wait, what do you mean? Um, they were basically like, hey, DM us, Paris. We're ready to meet with you. Like, direct message us. It was just that they were not able to tweet without it coming off as being creepy. Hmm. So, uh, quote, several Republican senators are willing. Oh, yeah, this is the, the tweet. Several Republican senators are willing to meet with you to discuss the bill, Paris Hilton. The Senate GOP account tweeted Friday. I'm game, Senator Chris Friedel, Republican Billings, tweeted. Uh, Hilton's appeal to individual lawmakers in Montana's citizen legislature is just one instrument for advocacy. She has millions of followers on social media platforms, among them people who consider themselves survivors of these programs. I feel that's my mission and my legacy, she said. I feel really grateful to have this platform to be able to shine a huge spotlight on such an important issue. I'm so proud of all the impact that myself and all the survivors coming together have had. Senate, um, Senator Shannon O'Brien, a Democrat from Missoula, applauded Hilton's willingness to share her trauma. Quote, I believe that every human being has their own experiences and their own story, no matter where they come from, no matter how many Instagram followers they have, O'Brien said. I admire Ms. Hilton for speaking her truth, for doing her part, and to make the world a better place. The bill from Smith meant to provide unmonitored communication between children in these programs and their parents, a potential opening for children to report the kind of abuse and neglect Hilton and others have spoken about in committees this session. The amendment made in the Senate committee would allow programs to monitor calls. That's kind of shitty. Um, several on the Senate panel, including the amendment sponsor, Senator uh, Tom Milgravy, Republican from Billings, said they feared open lines of communication for children could lead to more runaways or drugs being ferried into the program. The bill goes well beyond the communications provision, including additional ins inspections and restrictions on what can be done to discipline or restrain children in the programs. Some lawmakers, in voting against the bill in committee, worried overburdening the programs would push them and, and the services for children with behavioral health needs out of state. So? <laughs> in Hilton's letter to senators, one of which was shared with the Montana State News Bureau, she asserts the unmonitored communication is a parental rights issue meant to provide protections and prevent deaths. Quote, just, just, it was just torture every single day, and I wasn't able to tell my family because they would only allow monitored calls and they would have their hand on the receiver, she said in Thursday's interview. And if I would try to say one negative thing, the phone would immediately be hung up and I would be slapped, strangled, yelled at, and then they would lie to my parents. Sounds like trafficking. Mm-hmm. It's kind of the perfect storm for these people because they can get away with it because they've just manipulated not only the children but also the families. Smith, former, um, former deputy director of DPHHS, said Friday afternoon Hilton's new presence was already bringing genuine visibility to the issue. I've had really meaningful conversations today with Senate colleagues on both sides of the aisle, Smith said in a text. Abuse of children and parents' rights to talk unmonitored to their own children transcends party lines. HB 218 passed out of committee earlier this week and is yet to be scheduled for a debate on the Senate floor. Huh, interesting. Well, good. I'm glad she's standing up and talking on behalf of vulnerable populations. And I hope that's a lesson to people who choose to exploit vulnerable populations, too. I mean, yeah. It's, it's sad that that's such a problem. And it's sad that it's even a debate 
Why well, is this even a discussion? So in in the previous um, post that I wrote about this, um, it sounds like I, I didn't realize that Paris Hilton was in Montana. I thought she was only at the Utah school. Remotely. Oh, oh, you mean. But yeah. um, it sounds like Paris Hilton, according to Seaborn's reporting, attended four separate schools, including the one referenced yeah. by the Idaho border, and that would be the Monarch School. Yeah. So, and that was only really closed, I think 2017 is when it, it closed. Pretty so. recent. Wow. So, very interesting. We we have, how many days until the legislature finishes? About 20, maybe three weeks? I think it stopped at the beginning of May. We were, I mean, it's a 90 day, 90 days, and yes. we're, we're at like day 69 or 70, I think. So, um, we do have some things that are continue happening at the state level. Um, the tax increment financing bill 523 is going to be getting some potential hearing in the House side, I think maybe later this month on the 17th. That's going to warrant another trip to Helena. Mm -hmm. That one could even be rowdier because now that they know there is that much interest in this bill, they're going to schedule the appropriate amount of time. Yeah. So I might get more than 90 seconds. I'm going to I'm going to craft a whole new comment. Don't they limit it to three minutes, no matter what? You know, I can do a lot with three minutes. Yes. So I'm looking forward to that. I hope you look forward to the next Week in Review as we yeah. continue doing this week by week. Um, I think we can probably wrap it up here since I'm running out of steam. Okay. Uh, how are you doing? Doing good. Are you ready to watch Cartel Violence as represented <laughs> oh by the show Ozarks? Sure. Cool. Let's, let's do and some I'll of that. And I'll tell you all the redempt redemptive, hopeful things I, I could see. <sighs> okay. I will do my best. As we celebrate almost Resurrection Sunday. So listeners will be hearing this on Resurrection Sunday. We can only hope. And we also, for other listeners this week um, who celebrate Passover, happy Passover, want to acknowledge that as well. Yeah. There's a lot of religious stuff happening. Springtime. Life is coming back. Yes. Um, people wear bunny costumes. It's it's like a rite of passage. It, it's a. It, it was glorious. Wait until you see the video footage. Okay. Okay. So thank you for tuning in. This has been Week in Review. I've been your host, Travis Williams Skinkmatier. Ali, thank you for joining. Yeah, thank you. Tune us next. Tune in next Sunday. We will be providing more insight to the week's headlines. I can barely speak. It is time to conclude. Have a fun weekend. Have a nice Easter. Find some eggs. Keep those kids safe and tune in next week. Adios. Ozarks is just a show. The vultures fly high and low. Ozarks can't be real. Water high. Every deal Good book, cover blue The drugs inside Know what to do Good book, hollowed out Just like you From the doubts Get their storyline To live while there's still time
focus on the plot constructed by your thoughts yeah why stone is just a show the costner rides through the snow why stone can't be real the women kill in their heels bad book cover read a catalog for the dead bad book spell it out the poet's mad spits and shouts Get their storyline to live while there's still time. Focus on the plot constructed by your thoughts. Yeah, yeah. X Files is just a show, fun is had. For those who know X-Files can't be real The goo is black And has no feels Sad book cover gone The purpose now Remember song Sad book with pocket sounds Leave the ground Forget their storyline To live while there's still time Focus on the plot Constructed by your thoughts Yeah, yeah One more time Ozarks is just a show The vultures fly High and low Ozarks can't be real Water hides Every deal inside know what to do good book hollowed out just like you from the doubt forget their story still time focus on the plot constructed by your thoughts yeah 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 yeah
on this Good Friday. I hope you enjoy the days that follow. Thank you for tuning in to ZoomCron Week in Review. We'll be back next week. Stay tuned.